Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, The Meltdown. Understanding just how the United States got into this horrible, horrible mess. Now, before I get started with the show, I just want to step in here for a second. I know that some of you don't like the closing comments, and that's why I put them at the end so you can skip over them very easily. But this time, I'm going to ask that you listen to them. For two reasons. One, I've got a special announcement for you. And secondly, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor or two. All right, back to the show. Imagine for a moment that you work in a bank and your job is to approve loans. You're the loan arranger. And you're sitting at your desk now with two people who are there to apply for a loan. He has a tattoo on the front of his neck that says, I'm with stupid. And the arrow points over towards his wife. And you take one look at her and wonder if maybe they want to borrow money to buy some shampoo. But no, they're here for a mortgage. They want to buy a house. They found a place that they like on Bleecker Street, which is in the worst part of town. He has a job that pays $2 an hour over minimum wage and She says she's employed, but she's evasive when you try and nail her down on the specifics. You ask about a down payment, and they say, yes, very proudly. They've saved $412. It doesn't take a whole lot of expertise to realize that these people are not very good credit risks, and the property that they want to buy is not going to be very good collateral. But... Shouldn't everybody get to own a house? That was pretty much the idea of legislation that our old pal Jimmy Carter put in to try and force banks to give mortgages to people that weren't really quite qualified for them to buy properties that weren't of very good value. Then Bill Clinton came along and he really rammed it to the bank, said, oh man, we really got to do this. There's going to be fines. There's going to be sanctions. You've got to start lending more money to more unqualified people. So the bank responded by creating some novel plans that would allow less qualified people to buy houses. Things like no down payment or low down payment loans that were interest only for five years with a big balloon payment on the end of them. Corrupt mortgage brokers were driven into a feeding frenzy by the availability of fat fees, and they worked overtime to make the problem worse. They signed up people in the upper-lower classes looking to borrow their way into wealth. They signed up mullet-wearing mouth-breathers who would have been better off using the money to buy a chin. No money? No problem. You'll be earning more when the balloon comes due, and you can refinance then. Sign here. And lots of people did. And that inflated the demand for houses. There were a lot more people looking to buy houses. And as a result, the prices of houses skyrocketed. Banks then took a lot of these miserable loans, 
and they lumped them into different kinds of market instruments under the premise that a vat full of cruddy mortgages could be cooked into an attractive clot as long as the resultant lump had a good robust-sounding name. They then proceeded to buy and sell them to each other, like the proverbial housewives who got wealthy taking in each other's laundry. And while all this was going on, the Federal Reserve kept lending rates a lot lower than the free market would have, so there was plenty of credit available and everybody was happy. Everything seemed fine for years, but now reality has struck. Borrowers who spent five years just huffing pain in their basements didn't have the money for the balloon payment, and so they defaulted. Hardworking people, who, despite their hard work, didn't get the increases in pay that they expected, were also unable to cover these balloon payments, and they too defaulted. As a result, fewer people were buying houses, and the value of houses started to drop, and in some parts of the country, it dropped dramatically. When that happened, people in those areas who were making their payments suddenly realized that their house wasn't worth nearly what they were going to be paying for it over the next 30 years. Foreclosure was a much better option, which they took. Yes, they defaulted too. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were created by the government to provide risky loans, and they were the first to fall. Now we've got banks right and left falling down and finding they've got all this worthless paper that had a high value and now it's actually being valued at what it should be, what it's really worth, and they're going broke. They're getting merged and they're selling off their assets and good old Uncle Sam is thundering in to rescue them all. I'm recording this on Thursday, October 2nd, and the House narrowly defeated a bill a few days ago for a $700 billion bailout. Now, this is the government here, so you know it's going to be at least a trillion, trillion and a half by the time that they get done. The Senate, undaunted by, oh, the Constitution, which says that all appropriations bills have to originate in the House, they're putting together their own bill. They've approved it by 75 to 24, some number like that, and now they're trying to get the House to go for it. Constituents, us taxpayers, hate the idea. People on the left hate it. People on the right hate it. And Congress is being flooded by emails and phone calls and snail mails saying, don't vote for this. This is terrible. When I wrote letters to some of my Congress weasels, some of them couldn't even take Their mailboxes were full. They, their servers were overloaded with so many people writing in to complain about this. The responses that they were receiving ranged from no to hell no, and are something like 300 to 1 against. And yet, they're still trying to push it through. It only failed in the House by about a dozen votes. And the Senate, three-quarters of them say, yeah, let's do it. Let's completely ignore what our constituents on both sides of the aisles want to say, including, by the way, McCain and Obama. Now, just to try and put the number in perspective, because you really can't even wrap your mind around a number like a trillion dollars, the entire gross national product of the United States, every single good or service that we create in the course of a year is about $11 trillion. And... 
they want to raise the national debt from 10.6 trillion to 11.3 trillion to cover this. One thing that I find really interesting about this, as Congress ignores the will of the people, is that both the left and the right hate this for entirely different reasons, not surprising, but what's surprising is that they're both correct. The left hates it because they see it as corporate welfare, and they're right. The right hates it because they see it as an interference in the marketplace, and they're right. And of course, there's lots of blame going on. The left is blaming the greedy bankers who took this and ran with it and got completely nuts, and they're correct. And the right is blaming government policies that force banks to abandon time-honored, solid business principles in order to be politically correct, and they're right. So this is, this is kind of a weird thing. I don't know if I've ever seen this before in history where both the left and the right have entirely different reasons for hating something, and both of them have correct, true, legitimate reasons. But this is the time really for the left and the right to get together and clear away the fog and realize that the problem is not left, the problem is not right. The problem is government. Every single time that the government tries to interfere with the free market, every single time, it's a disaster. It's not usually a disaster of this proportion, but it's always a disaster. And maybe as time goes by and the dust settles and we go another trillion dollars in debt, because they're going to ram this through one way or another, we'll finally realize that the best way to deal with the economy is to keep the government out of it entirely. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been Smartnized. Okay, the special announcement. I actually sent out a little blurb last week about this, and I'm going to repeat it here for those of you who didn't get it. I just sent out a little uh, one-minute little mini-podcast. I have a new newsletter out there called The Smartnizer, and it's designed to do the same kind of thing that this podcast does, give you a different point of view, give you some information that you probably didn't have before, amuse you a little, amaze you a little, and leave you a little bit smarter than you were before. It's sent an email, so it's something that you can pass around to your friends. In fact, I encourage that. It's real easy to subscribe. It's real easy to unsubscribe too, should you change your mind. All you have to do is go to DaveHit.com, go to the Quick Hits blog, and you'll see a tab right there for the Smartnizer. Go in there, put in your email address, and you'll start getting it on a regular basis. I intend to publish this every other Monday. I'm going to actually push it out late Sunday night. So Monday morning, every other Monday when you go to work, you'll have something to goof off with for about 10 minutes. Now, this particular issue, the first issue, which was published last Monday, is largely similar to what this podcast was just about. But for the most part, that's not going to happen. There's going to be some cross-contamination there, to be sure. But for the most part, the content of the Smartnizer is going to be different 
than the content of the Quick Hits podcast. Oh, and by the way, I hate spammers even more than you do, because not only are they a pain in the ass in my email, but in my profession, which is supporting e-commerce guys, they're a real pain in the ass for my clients too, because they create so many different problems. I, I just despise these people. And the bottom line is, I will never, ever let any of them get anywhere near your email address. So now, you've got two things going for you here. You've got the Quick Hits Podcast to get you smartenized. Doesn't cost you a dime. You've got the Smartenizer to get you smartenized and to make it easy for you to smartenize your friends by passing it around. That doesn't cost you anything. So now I'm going to do something that I don't know that I've really done before. And that is, I'm going to ask you for a favor. And when I say you, don't think of it as the global you, the whole audience. I'm talking to you personally. You who are listening to this podcast. I would like you to take just a little bit of time and do me a favor. I'm trying to get better page rank for my whole website, but especially for the blog. Google rates pages on a scale of one to 10. And DaveHit.com has an overall page rank of four, which is not too impressive, but it's not bad for a hobby site. The Facts, the subsite about secondhand smoke, has a page rank of five, and that gets it on the front page of Google within the first 10 items for people that search on secondhand smoke. The Quick Hits blog has a page rank of zero. So anything is going to be an improvement, and that's what I'm going to ask for your help with. There's a couple of things that you can do. You can do all of them. You can do one or two of them, whatever. And it's fairly simple. It won't take you too much time, but I need your help to try and get some better ranking on this blog and some more visibility for it. The first thing you need to do is go to the blog, go to DaveHit.com and click on the link on the left-hand side and find an article there that you like. There's all kinds of stuff there on all different subjects, which I think is one of the problems. It's a very general kind of blog, but pick one that you like. And then on the bottom of it, click the little button that says share slash save. And that makes it very easy for you to submit that to Reddit or StumbleUpon. You can try Dig, but I don't think it's going to really take off too much on Dig. StumbleUpon and Reddit are the two big ones there. And any others that you have accounts with or that you like, submit it there and, you know, put a little blurb on it and see what that does. See if that brings some people in. While you're there, add some comments. It's kind of weird because Although the traffic to that site has increased at least a little bit over time, the number of comments seems to be dropping. And there's far too many articles there that have no comments on them. And when you've got a lot of no comment articles, it kind of makes the blog look dead. So pick a couple of them there and put some comments in there and get some conversation going. The other thing that you can do is if you have your own blog, or website, or Facebook page, anything like that. Find an article there that you want to comment on and link to it. Because incoming links have a huge effect on page rank. Now, the trick with doing links, there's a little trick to it to make them as powerful as possible. For instance, let's say you look at the article there, the recent one about Sarah Palin. 
And you put some text in there that says, check out this article about Sarah Palin. And you make the link on the word article. That's not nearly as powerful. It's not bad because there's no such thing as a bad link, but it's not nearly as powerful as if you make the link on Sarah Palin, which is something that people are more likely to be searching on. So give that a little thought, put a link in there. And then when you've done that, just drop me an email. Let me know that you've done it. And it'll be a big help to me. I'll really appreciate it. Oh, by the way, if, if you find an article there that you really hate, that you think is stupid, that the opinion there makes no sense at all, you can still blog about that and put it there. Because like I said, there's no such thing as a bad link. So just link to it and help me out. Of course, I do love hearing from you about anything. So drop me a line, hitman at davehit.com. And agree, disagree, tell me what you think. And as always, I have to keep reminding you and keep reminding myself that the Quick Hits Podcast is nothing more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.